We had the opportunity. I was one of them to say, let's take care of the orphan and the widow. The church said no. We spent less than 50 cents of every $100 to love on Muslim omission money. And it is 1.8 billion of them. And it is the key to the second coming of Jesus. We have a special guest today. Okay, Iris? Yes, it's okay. not you. No, I knew that. <laughs> Stop licking my Bible. Come on. Uh, Come on. I'm, I'm going to let her go, but uh, this the reason why she's here is because uh, she came from your house. She did. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was fun when you came over, and then you had an overnight flight, and then uh, you wanted to take a little rest, and you got to meet yes. Iris plus a couple of other ones, yes. her father and... Uh, the whole family you got to meet. Was that a good, good introduction to the family? <laughs> you, you, no, you make it sound like it was like some lollipops in Wonderland. I had slept maybe two hours, and you were like, "Take this room here in my house." And uh, but you don't sound like that. Kind of. Well, sound a little bit. Uh, and I was like in your in this bedroom, your spare bedroom, trying to sleep, and you walk in with like three or four dogs and throw them on me. And she was one of them, which I'd flown out there but, to get. But you still, you fake, you forgave me. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How can you not? She was just this little, she was a little jelly bean. Yeah. And, uh, and, and now she's become the rat killer, I found She out. is. She's yeah. a killer. She's uh, incredible. And I named her Iris after Iris. The flower. Yeah, the no, not the flower. No, no, okay. no. So get out of here. You stink. But I love you. Um, so, yeah. I thought I'd bring her so you could have a little reunion. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love Iris. She's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, she's mildly obese, though. Just mildly. She takes after me. Yeah. Just mild, just a little bit, you know? Okay. Uh, or you can do whatever. She'll run around. Leif Helland. Hey. How are you? I am doing good. What's it like being a Swiss man and living in America? I know. Swiss you're, man? No, you're, no, you're Norwegian. I'm just kidding. Uh, Swiss watch or Swiss man? Yeah. You have both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Leif, it's good to have you here. It is good to be here. Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Leif Hetlin uh, is my friend, uh, first and foremost. Uh, but uh, more than that, he's one of the most inspiring men I know. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear from Leif today. Uh, at a young age, had a crazy encounter with the Lord and basically jumped into full-time evangelism. And his stories still blow my mind. Uh, from then and continuing on to now. Uh, and I hope you can get into some of it today. Uh, but I connected with Leif, uh, it's got to be 20, gosh, years, 20 ago. years ago. I'd heard how God was using you in the nations, specifically in Pakistan was, was what mostly I was hearing at the time. And I remember getting put on a trip uh, to Cuba uh, about 20 years ago with Global Awakening. I was married, I think, a month at the time. And I got to spend two weeks traveling around Cuba with you and watching God move. And since then, uh, we have been best friends. Yeah. Best friends, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was really wanting you to say that, uh, but because that's how I feel. And we've done stuff all over the world together. Um, how are you, Leif? I'm actually doing well. Yeah. For all, I'm doing well. Just have a, I've had a couple of challenges, but that's, that is part of my life. Uh, 
couple of health challenges. I've had some battlefields. Sometimes it is the battle you fight after mm -hmm. the battle you won. So I've done a lot of trips. This last year was seven worldwide crises. So I ended up in the middle of it from the floods in Pakistan to earthquake in Pakistan to what's happened in Turkey to, I mean, just all over the world. Yeah. So uh, I didn't realize that, oh, I had some battle fatigue in the end of the year, ended up with a flu and COVID. And then mm. I've had this little bone missing between my inner ear and brain. I found out that in Brazil. What? Yes, it's just, uh, I had this vertigo in Brazil and finally the CT scan came. And as a result of that, so I've had a kind of a daily vertigo, ringing sound, dizziness, headaches, and finally they found out what it was. So at least now I have a name for the giant. So <laughs> I also have a name for God and I know what to deal with it. But overall, I'm doing very, very well because I'm experiencing his strength when I, I feel weak. Come on. Yeah. Um, you have years of full-time ministry. One of, and, and for those of you guys who are interested in messages, go online, go on YouTube. You have tons that's out there. Uh, today, I want to dig into a little bit of, of you, yeah. right? I want to hear about the missing bone in your head. I mean, not as much because that's a little gross, yeah. but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you have had a major impact on my life as well as many people. And I think there's something that most people know you for your messages for Pakistan. But some of the Leif Hetland that I get to know behind the scenes is a man who is used mightily to bring restoration to people. Uh, there are so many leaders that I know of. I, and I only know of a few because you don't share any of this. And the only reason I know them is because they've shared that they're running with you. Um, that you, you really spend time with people, with leaders running alongside. Uh, you, we seem to be living in a season where you hear a lot about leaders falling. Um, I know you've been through your seasons. Uh, what, what, uh, as, you're, as you're speaking into different leaders' lives and you're bringing them through some of the darkest nights of their soul, what's some of the common themes that you're seeing right now? One of them is battle fatigue. Mm -hmm. I, I realize when people don't take care of their emotional tank, and often when the emotional tank is low, even doing God's work, God's way with God's power. Yeah. And when that is happening, there's these warning signs. And then when there's a certain pain issue, the pain is seeking for pleasure. They're looking for something to medicate. So when there's things, and sometimes I think it is also connected to a lack of an inner healing journey. Okay. So when the emotional tank is down, you don't feel good and you don't love yourself well. You love the world, you love your ministry, you love what you're doing, and the deception is when the anointing is there. The anointing rests upon your assignment, and that's often connected to your alignment, but then you do not realize to see how much you're burning fuel until mm. when it's down to E, and that's when the enemy sets it up. I say practical thing, just being also biblical, but a story yeah. that came to my mind is Peter, uh, and I think you also have shared about that lately, yeah. but his emotional tank was so low, uh, what he never intended to do. I mean, he loved Jesus. Jesus was the Lord of his life. Yeah. He sold, gave up everything to follow Jesus, left his wife, left his fishing business. And now he comes to this place where Jesus has said, you're going to betray me. And his intention was, there's no way. But if you study the pattern right before, including three prayer meetings in the night before, yep. where they fell asleep, Peter, James, yep. John was with Jesus. Jesus had to wake him up three times. The exhaustion, the fatigue was there. And at that moment, they're coming to get Jesus and mm -hmm. things get tense and situation is happening and he has not taken care of himself well. 
And then John goes on the inside and there is a fire. And yeah. that's why I think it's sometimes the trap is then the fire comes in and the very things you wouldn't have done until your emotional mm -hmm. tank is low. So what are some of the things that uh, drains you and what are some of the gainers? Drainers and gainers. And another thing I'm seeing for people that are influence or influence in the world on a high level often also have a tendency to not have authentic relationship where somebody's asking them the difficult question. And I have noticed that, including my own life, yeah, people yeah. just they give you the praise for what you right. do and this and that. Instead of, and would you do that very well, uh, Will? You're just coming up to life, how are you doing? It's not how many people get saved or how many leaders do you train, but how are you doing? And going in and having covenantal relationship that can ask you some of the hard question. Mm. It is not punitive. I call it glory management to help people to go from glory to glory. But to do that, having somebody to going in there and look at your hidden spot. And sometimes we have hidden spots yeah. and also your blind spots. And friends can help you to find your blind spots because you do not know what they are because deception is very deceiving. Mm. So. This is, I mean, I didn't fail morally or anything else, right, but right. when I had my crash landing, uh, it was ended up because of a lot of surgery and up with medication. Mm -hmm. And again, it was the same thing. God was working the greatest signs, wonders and miracles I did at my most dysfunction. Right. And everybody, they knew I had struggles and this and that, but as long as the anointing was there, they invited you to the conferences. Right. They value you for the oil that you had, signs, wonders and miracles. But I, I was broken on the inside. So people didn't, I didn't have people at that time period that was clear to say, Leif, you're not loving on yourself well, mm. and you're not prioritizing your life. You're not managing. So I was loving God well and loving the world well, but not loving yourself. That was the root issue with Peter. Yeah. So when in John 21, when Jesus restores him, he deals with that root issue. When he asked three times, do you love, do you love me? me? He betrayed him three times, but he gets to the root of that because you, Peter, it's not that you don't know how much I love you, but you have not loved you the way I love you. When he healed that root issue that led to the failure, then at that moment, and I'm not about selfish, it is a selfless love when you love you the way that he loves you. Mm. Then that set him up for Pentecost where he could burn brightly without burning out because mm. from that moment he's burning oil of intimacy. Yeah. So it was just, so I think that was the second thing I'm seeing with leaders. One is they are not aware of the emotional tank and how much even it costs to give, give, give. Yeah. Second of all, as you're saying, that uh, authentic relationship of people asking difficult questions. And I think also sometimes trauma for some of us that are at least on the front row, different yeah. traumas are happening in life. And sometimes I think we over spiritualize, but sometimes it is post-traumatic church disorder, <clears throat> PTCD, and people are not aware of it. So the enemy just pushed some of those triggers and yeah. you get the same reaction and when people are not aware of that, then they find different things to medicate. Yeah. So we, we're often dealing with the issues that happens when depression comes in or sexual or mm -hmm. they have a moral failure. But when you watch the pattern before, often I find there was certain trauma that's taking place in their life that they've not dealt with. That's right. why it's been important for me to making sure I go to Dr. Mike Hutchins. I have yeah. probably four or five people in my life that on different areas that I make sure to check me and check me well to making sure that I'm dealing, it's kind of a, you do an engine change, yeah. oil change, and you're just making sure that any parts that have wear and tear right. that you deal with it before you're going on the next battlefield. So, okay. I love everything you're saying. I got a lot of questions. Yes. Yeah. Like I got four or five is spinning around in my head. I think the first one is a lot of self love is associated with like, you know, uh, you know new age not not new age but you know this like 
self-centeredness that I see very pervasive that isn't always beneficial, right? I think Christ, I think there's a balance, right? With Christ is like die to yourself, right? And we're called to lay our lives down. David had spears thrown at him in obedience to the Lord, right? When Saul, he's worshiping and Saul's throwing spears at him. Um, Paul uh, gets shipwrecked, gets jailed, right? None of this stuff equates to a lot of self-care, self-love that I think people would associate with taking care of yourself, like physically, mentally. So how do you differentiate um, the necessary self-care from people being selfish? Yeah, now I think, again- Or self-centered. Yeah, and I think no matter what, if you're dealing with a root issue, when selfish and centered often have an orphan heart and orphan tendency, and it's about me and, and the why. Mm. But I think like one example for me, I remember I had a lot of physical illnesses and I was in, uh, we were in Malaysia and Penang and I ended up in a hospital again. And I was like, here's another infection and yeah. here's another this and that. And, and, and I broke down. And I remember I walked out of there and I complained to God, God, I have sacrificed everything. 18 hour days, yeah. I've been all over the world and I've said yes to what you said. And he says, you have not kept the Sabbath. And I said, that's law. And he said, no, that's love. Mm. That's loving God, loving yourself, and loving the people, friends and family around you. So I'm just saying that that's a, a violation of a kingdom principle. It's like a car. I just drive, 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 and then it's empty for fuel. It is not selfish to take the time to fill up that tank or mm. checking the oil or making sure that car is well. So to take a time, if we believe that there is more productivity to live from rest than towards rest. Yeah. That's a, that's a revelation. Then the way you operate is very, very differently. And it is a much more selfish things that you think it is all up to you. Mm. And you do not need to set aside the time just to be able to love him with all your heart, but also love the people like you love yourself. So yeah. what does it look like when I then look in the mirror and see that I'm also valuable? And so when I'm realizing also in revival history, a lot of people, including the William uh, Branhams, and yeah. you can go to so many different people that did not finish well. Mm. And some of the reason was this very thing of, they, I'm not talking about selfish, but I'm talking yeah. about selfless or self-emptying love. And nobody did this better than Jesus. Right. So Jesus had this incredible, beautiful, I call it more rhythm than balance. We're trying to find a balance, but it is much more about a rhythm and learning to find a rhythm of grace. And so there is time I lean back. I, I'm a master at leaning forward. I know mm. you are too. We're pressing in, we're yeah. going after yeah. it, violent taken by force yeah. and those scripture verses and we are giant slayers. So we know how to be a lion, but we do not always know how to be a lamb. And at the moment we operate, and Jesus is both the lamb of God and the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. But at the moment, as I'm saying that when we are leaning forward more than what we're leaning back, we're out of rhythm. So Jesus, even in the book of Revelation, that conquers the enemy. There's about 24 times the lamb is there and only one time lion. And that moment, the lion becomes a lamb. So the future Jesus that changes, that conquered the enemy and everything else comes from a place of rest. Mm -hmm. It comes from the identity of being a lamb. And then when you have the lamb's heart, that's what David also had. That's what Jesus had. Now you have authority in the lion. Right. Then when you roar, people gather, not scatter, because it comes from the lamb's heart. So the whole thing of behold the lamb, the whole thing of right. being with him and the one you're beholding, you're becoming. 
So I think that spirit, soul, body, it's not like I'm going to be so consumed with me and it's just about me, yeah. but I am making sure that I'm connected with him, but I'm also connected to myself with self-awareness and I'm bringing people into my life that I do community and life with and I'm running from that very place. So I'm running from that, not towards it. I am living from rest, not towards it. Right. That's the pattern of the kingdom so that you burn brightly without burning out. Mm. So I don't think my schedule has changed much in a sense. Yes. I still have an average of 16 to 18 hour days and still doing a doctor degree and yeah. running to ministry and a business and life is 230, 40 days on the road and a lot of places around the world. But the difference is that the main thing is the main thing. Yeah. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah. The only one that comes to him is the one that are heavy and weary. Yeah. So if you, if you can do it, that's where the selfishness comes in. But when you're learning to come to him because you're weary and heavy laden, he says, I give you rest. Yeah. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Meaning now we're gonna walk together, Jesus. This is not me running and asking you to join me. It is actually me walking with yeah. you and walking with him. And then he says, take my yoke and learn from me. So that's why it's so important for us to learn how to learn from him. And then he says, when you're learning from me, he says, at that moment, I'm going to give you rest for your soul. Hmm. So, and he said, my heart he is learning the heart journey. And it's all about heart. All kingdom matters is matters of the heart. Yeah. That's why you guard your heart about everything else, because all issues of life, the motivation is from your heart. Heart. So that's why he says, learn from me because I'm low and meek or humble in heart and I give you rest for your soul. So I think the number one thing for any of us and Mike and I talked about it on the way here, the tension I'm living in, there's a tendency for us in our culture to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me right. <clears throat> without saying without him, I can't do nothing. Right. So the day or three days or the time I'm taking time with him, realizing that without you, I can't do this. Right. I can't walk on water. I cannot heal a sick. I cannot save a person. I cannot do this. Yeah. And coming in and value, first of all, loving him, but also loving yourself the way that he loves you. And that was the root issue of Peter. And until he got that, he was not ready for a Pentecost and somebody had run the race mm. and people walked in his shadow and they got healed. All of that came, including somebody who was so bold and courageous that he will never deny Jesus. What some historian says, he was crucified upside down. But all of that right. came from Peter loving Peter the way Jesus loved Peter. And the secret of Jesus' life, Jesus loved Jesus the way the Father loved Jesus. This was the key to everything that flows from his life. And out of that, he could love people hmm. the way that the Father loved people. And I do what I see my Father do. So that is the difference between a selfish, where self is in the center and is the orphan heart and is about me. And the other one, it is about him and then seeing you the way that he sees you and then loving people from that place. That is a different freedom for me. So how do you, oh, I've heard Randy say this. I've heard Bill say this, right? I don't, I've heard different leaders say that. I don't remember each one, but, and they've had some, you know, some iteration of this, but I don't trust a leader that doesn't walk with a hitch in their step, right? Like I don't trust someone that hasn't been through the valleys and come out. Right, it's kind of the John Wimber. I don't yep. trust anyone that don't walk with a limp. A limp, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. A um, so Peter, right? Mm. He 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 had a limp. He had one of the biggest, yeah. the biggest ones. And you see Jesus come in a minute with with one question three times, yeah. right? And fully restore him from one from what one might say was an unthinkable sin, yeah. right? Um, 
I've I've watched you from the sidelines bring rest you know walk people through restoration um i i've jumped i've dipped my toe in the restoration restoration uh help you know ministry from time to time we do because you know in ministry you're running with people you love them and you get in the trenches with them where is the balance between talk to me about your thoughts on restoration like fast like jesus did but most of the time we need we need to see people sit down for for an extended period. Uh, how do you make that decision? Now, I, I think I've seen a few examples, like with Jesus, mm-hmm. where you're able to get into the root and there is a whole totally transformation. Mm-hmm. But in most of the cases, it, it takes some time to going into the roots. And it is not just a lot of people, have, like one of the cases that I just walked through is somebody that they weren't faithful. It was not just they were unfaithful. There were several affairs that came in. It was not just several affairs that came in. Now, the kids has been affected. The church has been affected. All the places of ministry, and the list goes on and on. Mm. So it is not just, okay, I everything is fine now with me and Jesus. But now it's also going in. So you have your own journey of getting into the root heel. Mm. But also you have hurt a lot of other people. So that means, I think it is Danny Silk that described the thing. as about this guy that took 10 gallons of paint and just blew it up. And he maybe said, will you forgive me for the 10 gallon of paint? But now you have paint and this person has paint. Who else has pain? Pain. So it is also starting this process of the different relationship that has been affected because of the messes that you have made and to take responsibility for it. Yeah. And that, according, I mean, depending on sometimes what people have done, takes time. It's not just also just to get healed from it, but it's also building trust again. Right. And even trust in the position. So there's one thing to be connect again with him and even your spouse but now it is not just the pulpit and and to be able to get back so i think that one of the mistakes i've seen quite a few times and some of the cases you know that i walk with the the focus for some of us has been i'm saying for some of us because i had to be part of but what saddens me is the focus is to try to get people back to ministry yeah as soon as possible and i think there's two reasons for that one is monetizing i think that that's a lot of the people that's the only way that they make money and the Mm -hmm. ministry is functioning and i think there's another reason also that so much of the value system is what i'm doing and that's that's what we got our value and so i'm not saying that people cannot go back into the ministry but when that becomes the major focus point instead of making sure that people are becoming healthy so the first thing that people are doing, like one of the cases that we had, there was so, so many messes. And some of the reconciliation councils are like a year from now. Well, what that person is trying to do is all the things that I need to do to get ready for when a year is up so that I will even have a greater momentum when that year is up instead of at that moment right. going in and dealing with a root issue. What cost this? Right. And the pain that I've caused, not just my family, but right. some of the people and how... I have violated and all the ripple effect of what that cost and uh, when they've not been able to deal with that so what i'm saying if you you're going to give them a carrot in the end the motivation while i'm doing it is yeah. i'm going to go back into ministry that's some of the weakness that i've seen now quite a few times and then you see why is it that that bad root was never dealt with and others you just find another bad fruit later on yeah. in a different area yeah i I think you hit the nail on the head with the monetization part, right? Because I've run in, I've run into that a lot when ministry is the thing that is your job, right? When it's your nine to five, when it's your salary, and it's a re- like I think ministers should should get paid or they should be supported at least in the work that they're doing. 
uh, when you remove that, right, that's very, very, very scary for someone where that's all that they've done is build that, right? Especially in the itinerant world where it's not like a church that'll be like, okay, we're going to pay for a year to go off. You stop itinerating. You lose everything yeah. potentially. How do you, how do you navigate these uh, situations? I think first of all, it, it depends from case to case. But one of my challenges, of course, I'm very, I'm, I'm part of the Iris board. Yeah. Oh, um, I forgot to mention no, that. No, I'm no. so sorry. He's one of our amazing board members yeah. as well. No, I, so the only reason I said, and, and I'm also part of Global with mm-hmm. Randy Clark, yep. and quite a few, about six, seven different groups that I'm part of. And some of those culture have a different culture. Mm. And we've had some in our language, we say, we're not going to be punitive. We're going to be restorative. We don't use fear. We use love and grace-based. And of course, we all agree with that. But sometimes what that looks like in certain culture, uh, like one of the example. Uh, there was this young girl, 15 years old, who I knew, who I sent to a ministry school uh, right after she graduated high school. And I encouraged her parents to send them there and everything else. But she was the victim of one of the people that are a strong person in ministry. Uh, she is not walking with Jesus at all today. Right. She, they, they use the anointing, the giftings, yep. the prophetic to set up to eventually take. So seeing the consequences, what it had for her, what it had for her family, what it had for her local church that invested her to go into a ministry school because somebody set it up. Yeah. And then a year later, that person is back into the pulpit and is back again Ugh. because that the motivation is nobody was thinking about her. Right. Or nobody was thinking about the consequences of her and the family. I'm not talking about punitive, but I'm talking about right. now how do we clean up the messes yeah. that this causes and the pain because that's also part of the restoration process right and i feel that uh, uh, i i don't know that much about alcoholic anonymous mm-hmm. but i think that they have these beautiful 12 steps and one of those steps you start in step four where any of the issues that you have had and you're dealing with because first Step one is just realizing I have right. this issue. So that's the first thing with somebody that coming in to have an issue. Then you realize they're a power greater than you that can help mm-hmm. you with that issue. But eventually you're coming in and saying, okay, now who has been affected because of, if I'm using all language, your sin mm. and what is wrong. And they are going very thorough through. And they say, don't going in and end step five. Now you need to go out and deal with that. And they say 90% of the people, if they don't do a thorough, totally, totally honest, truthful and honest with God and with yourself and somebody else, 90% will start drinking again. And I think there's some lessons to learn from alcoholic anonymous. The one that do a thorough fifth step, meaning they're going into the room and allowing somebody else to go in there and take responsibility. They maybe go to a father, that person I stole money from. I also sneaked out there. They're cleaning up their messes. The one that do a thorough mm-hmm. will also in the next moment be able to follow through and by step 12, helping somebody else by the time they get there. Yeah. And I think that there's just some of those lessons that we could be better at. Yeah. And so I do see that depending on what culture, and then I feel sadness also that in some places, oops, there's mess. And then in the next moment, just cut people off oh. and they're out there and yeah. there is no. So first, I think we need to start to learn how to operate as family again, mm. because I think most churches and ministry will operate, operate more like orphanages. And you know, that's a lot of my language than we do as family. But what does family look like? What does a healthy family look like? And how do we, in a sense, dealing with our own 
and mm. taking responsibility and making sure to create a healthy culture. But then if we're going to do that, we need to be at least as concerned about the victims yeah. as the victimizers. Yeah. We need to be as concerned about the effect this is having on 100%. the whole body of Christ than just an individual because of the gifting and anointing of money or whatever it is that the whole goal in itself yeah. is just to get them back to a pulpit or yeah. platform or products or whatever that might be instead of going in and deal with the root issues. So, right. yeah, I see there's a there's people that is taking very short time and they're doing very well yeah. because if I'm using an AA approach, you could see honestly they went in and they did a thorough fifth step and you can see that and, yeah. and, and knowing the truth sets them free. And then the process is much quicker. Yeah. But when you have to do layer by layer by layer, that some people, it takes the time to get into the root and then change it. And mm -hmm. then building the trust factor, perhaps to their spouse, to board, and to the community and people around. That takes time. Yeah. And that's different from place to place. So I, and you know, one of the cases for me that I had to, I, I walked out of it. Uh, and for another year later, I was still not ready. I met with a person that was two years into it. They had hope for one year. Not because, but I still saw it's the same thing that led to the, the failure in the first place. When that is still, some of that smell is still there. Yeah. And that was where I used the scripture. And I had just prayed. I said, God says, if you no longer see a Jacob, but you see an Israel, mm. when you meet the person, then you're going to know him. He yeah. is finished. But I still met another Jacob and another Jacob. It was always, mm. there was never that Israel, the prince, the transformation of you wrestled with God and won. You got pinned. Mm. Yeah. And and when there's not a place you get pinned and I kind of find the old corpse of the old person and that behavior is buried somewhere, yeah. then it is very difficult because you're seeing then it's just another manifestation of the same old corpse that yeah. is trying to do it again. So that's why I've tried to find attention. And I've never wanted to, to be involved in all these reconciliation. It is messy, it's painful. I think it is just because relationships are important for me. And I think that I do love well. Mm. Uh, uh, but as I'm saying that the dangerous part, if you give people love without the truth, mm. it is actually meaningless. It's right. like giving you a cure for cancer, but not giving you the diagnosis that you have cancer. Right. And so unless the, knowing the truth sets you free, Truth and love always, but also to give you a diagnosis without the cure is also mean. Right. So one is mean and the other one is meaningless. But mm. if you bring truth and love together, it is medicine. So I, I, I can talk about this with you for hours, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but there's a couple of things I want to I want to try to hit while, while I have this time with you. But practically, what are some questions that you ask people? And, I, and I, the reason why I'm asking this is I think there's a lot of people out there that want to do this sort of thing well, right? And I, I think there's certain, the reason why people I think come to you is because you, you said you love, but that love manifests in a way where you don't judge. It's not that you, you will biblically judge, but you're, you're not walking into a situation. You're just with judgment. You're very slow. You, you're not scared to ask questions, right? And I think that, that that's all a, a backdrop of this. But when you do sit with people, what are the questions that you're asking them? Do you have anything like I, I, what I'm asking for is some of your like secret sauce? Mm -hmm. What's Leif Hetland's secret? Is your is your meeting with your friends that you're in covenant with? Um, what are some of the things that you ask, or how often do you call them up when you feel something in your heart? Like, and what are you? What does that look like practically for you? And, and I think one of the questions goes always in the personal and just to even ask him, just first of all, how are mm -hmm. you doing? 
And then when I'm asking them, how are you doing? One, one of the questions I always going, what does love require of you in this situation? So when they're dealing with different situations, what does love require of you in this situation of how to respond, how to love yourself? So I'm making sure because when there's love deficiency, there's God deficiency because God is love. Mm. And then you're looking for love in the wrong places. So I know when, if I can getting into the root issue of that, when I see restlessness is one area, lack of peace in somebody, yeah. that is another area. So I'm checking always to see restless. You feel you have to do something to prove something, to have something. It is already for somebody that are struggling. It's a warning sign for me. Mm. Lack of peace, because peace with God, peace with yourself, when you're walking in peace. That's another indicator when I start checking with people also and asking, how are you doing now? And if they are still married or in relationship with someone also and saying, mm. okay, how is your spouse doing? And if it were to ask your spouse right now, how would they say it? Because sometimes I have that honor and I do that. I just yeah. did that with somebody the other day. I got to talk to the spouse and I got a whole different side of the story. Yeah. So you may be because self-awareness is maybe not there. Mm. And then I'm asking also some of the accountability question, who you have. So if somebody has struggled with pornography or this right. and that, then I ask that clear question in a sense of, okay, are you looking at something that you shouldn't look? Have you been looking yeah. at porn or what about masturbation or whatever? I mean, yeah. I ask direct question in the area that I see these people. First, I'm building the trust. Right. I want them to know it comes from a place of love, but then I'm going in and they know, because what I've learned, I have a friend of mine, his name is Dr. Doug Weiss, okay. and he has like 24, psych, no, 12 psychologists. He's written 24 books, 12 Christian psychologists working for him. But he says, if I can put a lie detector on somebody that struggled with these issues for one year, right. I have 90% chance that they can be free. Meaning that if he can be honest with God right. and himself and with the people around them and walking in truth, yeah. then the truth will set you free. So, I, so I'm asking those truth questions. Are you being truthful? Right. So I, I find that people lie. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Right? Like because of fear of getting caught, right? Fear of hey, this is going to potentially cause me to shut down everything that I've built. How, are there things that you do to help people like not be scared to create that place? What, where do you, where do you when, if you hear something, take it to a level 10? Where do you like, okay, this is a two. Do you, uh, yeah, I, I do. And I, because on different, it has to do with a different relationship. A few mm -hmm. of my cases, it is people that are, people that we know that are leading the networks and are hard, like Randy Clark yeah. has a couple of times come to me and, hey, we have this and that, could you help us? So in that sense, I'm coming to serve somebody else and knowing what is their goal, what does restoration look like for them mm. as the leaders that is bringing it in, but yeah. also for the person where they're at in that. Because there's sometimes where my goal for their restoration and one thing, but they have something else in mind yeah. in regards. So <laughs> it's also being clear right. about that. But then also to see on a different measure, I, I don't want to wait to somebody again fell, but started to recognize the pattern. If you say on a level one or two, it starts to ask some of those questions. Because when I start to see some of the pattern I have a person right now that I asked them for 30 days just to text me in the morning mm -hmm. and text me at night. Has nothing to do, I need a text, but I just know for them to have an awareness of a connection point of the very few questions. I have a couple of questions mm -hmm. I gave them, but for 30 days, text me in the morning, just a little text and say, and text me at night. And mm. then I ask some questions during the time, but I start to say, yeah. oh, I forgot that, or this came up, or that came up, or yeah. I already see some warning signs. So that's the first level. And then the next level, if it goes deeper than that, I sit down and meet with a person and, 
and again look them into the eyes and just starts to ask some good question. Yeah. Okay, you missed, you didn't text. There's certain thing about the priority. You say you want to get well, but you didn't take the prescriptions mm. that I gave you mm. on, on the first side. So uh, I'm not using fear of the consequences, but yeah. I, I want you to know I, I'm not going to work on you harder than you're working mm. on yourself. Mm. So I'm not trying to take the responsibility for what somebody else is doing. I'm trying yeah. to coming in and give them something before they're moving in. Mm. And then also trying to get them to have somebody else in their life in often. So because they're either part of another church or ministry or right. if they're directly linked to me and bringing somebody else into their journey that I'm checking with that person to check. Like Doug Johnson was one I brought in oh, in yeah. one case and I have a few other people. I brought them in, asking some other question, what would that person come to me when when there's any of these warning signs, so yeah. I don't have to deal with all the different layers for a whole year because that takes too much yeah. for one person unless they're directly, there's only a few people in the last few years that's been directly linked to me and it is my responsibility yeah. underneath my covering and I am responsible. So I'm seeing a very high success rate in, in the sense of healthy yeah. restoration because when people know that the discipline and the love I have your best interest. Yeah. I have your family best interest. Yeah. I have the kingdom's best interest. And this is why I am here. And removing away the fear, removing away the punitive, removing away, mm. here is my end goal. Like I had just one person, he's still kind of, a, and one that you will know, still struggle with it, but he sees it now more and more that the whole goal for me, you're gonna be better than you were before you yeah. came in. And here's a fun story I had that we talked about on the way up, but I had this one guy that came to me and said, how could you still trust this person? <laughs> Don't you know, I mean, he messed up. Somebody had an yeah. affair in a church. And I said, when that person was anointed, that person was preaching and you were on the staff, you loved him, adored him, and he was the greatest person. But now when he is truthful, Oof. now when he is honest, now mm -hmm. when he is humble, you don't believe in, in him. You trust him when he's full of arrogance. You trust him when he's full of pride. You Golly. trust him when he doesn't have a limp. And now when humility has come in, now when honesty has come in, right. now when he's coming out and say, without him, I can't do nothing. Shouldn't I trust him more than the arrogant person that he was before that could do it all and had all these issues in the closet that was addicted to porn and all of those things that you didn't see. So why is it that your discernment, you trusted him more then than you do now? Hmm. Now, when he is out, when he's speaking the truth. Hmm. So I think it's also, we have to be aware for me when some of those things is coming out. Hmm. Uh, they are healthier when people can. And not in every case, because we can't be vulnerable with everyone. So even there, I've, I've just taken some time and helping people also like deliverance. Don't do deliverance without having inner healing, as an example. Those have to go together. Deliverance and inner healing needs to go together because right. even there, if you cast out something, if you don't fix what's broken, it's right. going to come back with, with vengeance. So helping people to a inner healing model where it is safe to go through a hard process. Yeah. And I think also for helping people that the value system or the fear of money, I have to help people also on the practical side of this to help them to see that they're not putting all the egg in one basket and that yeah. is minutes. That's not the motivation. You are very valuable to God. And the people that has been violated and all of the other ones that have messes, this is very valuable. Well, all of that is secondary or third or fourth on my list, but that's not what we're going to focusing on right now. Right. That has been very important to me so that you can be safe. I don't, uh, some other people when they get all sharing their stories with me, I, I have more respect for you now than yeah. what I had before.
because at least now you start to be honest and you start to speak the truth. And the trust level, instead of me feeling disgust, I think there's very few people, few things, both because of my own life, but also people get sitting in the front, there are very few things people can tell me that is shocking in yeah. regard yeah. what they've done. They just think that. Yeah. They just think that, but yeah. it is not. And I just listen, continue that. What else is there? Oh, what else did you do? Right. Oh, and many times it's worse. I just continue to push and I'm digging deeper and deeper. But the more deeper they can going into being honest and sharing. That's why we confess the sin to one another so that we mm. can be healed. There is something in that. Yeah, it's, I think what you're just, I mean, the backdrop of all of this is living in community, yeah. which is yeah, which is what you said in the start of this. I think community provides a place for Matthew 18 to take place. Yeah. If you do it well, yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of the stuff that, 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 that I see is because there is no Matthew 18 put into practice. And for those of you who don't know Matthew 18, it's the, it's really the biblical model for con confrontation in love, mm. right? Go to a person immediately. If they don't listen, you know, bring more. And if they don't listen, then bring them in front of the, the church. And uh, a lot of people look at that as harsh, but honestly, like I think it's one of the most beautiful systems. I should get close. Sorry, she was just. She, don't don't go. Don't you go to the bathroom on my floor? Maybe we Thank need you. to do something. <laughs> <deliverance. laughs> she was like going around seven, but you know, I I think Matthew eighteen is one of the most beautiful systems, and, and most people don't use it. But if they do Matthew eighteen early, mm -hmm. early enough in love, I think a lot of this stuff can be avoided. Yeah. If you if we can learn to confront in love in community, I think it's it's spectacular. Most people don't because they know that they're probably going to be confronted as well. Yeah, and so they 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 won't do it. But listen, we can talk about this forever. I, I have a couple more questions for you. Yes. Um, what is well? First of all, Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, you have seen major, major, major fruit in Pakistan um, from your start in ministry, you're starting the itinerant. You were pastoring in Norway before. Yep. Uh, up until now, how many years have you been? Uh, 28 years this 28 year. 28 years. So, okay. Yeah. So 28 years. What have you seen? If you could summarize 28 years of ministry in Pakistan. Um, first of all, we've seen over a million names added to the Lamb's Book of Come Life. On. I think it's 1.170 million. Uh, we have over a thousand churches there right now. Have a Bible college, seminary, TV stations. So there's a lot of things, a lot of small groups, and mm. so there's a healthy discipleship. The biggest thing for me also has been like less than two years ago, I received the International Peace Award, and on it it says, as an ambassador of love by the president of Pakistan. Mm. So even uh, right before I came here this morning in Mecca today, the top Muslim leader is in Mecca. They are on the Umrah, on the holy journey, not a top Muslim leader. So just, we are here in Mecca praying for you. That the top Muslim leader of nations going in and they are in Mecca in the front of their holy and they are praying for me. There's this connection. So I've been the best man in the wedding of his oldest son who will be the next granny mom. Been part of the family, be part of the wedding. Took 20 years before I saw one of the top Muslim leader where I got to see the wife's face. Because that's totally impossible. I'm saying it's often one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen because covenant is the only way you can do that. And they see me with a covenant lens that I'm really family. Uh, so I'm a Christian who have been speaking at the Bachai, the King's Mosque, message during Juma prayer, professor Sharia law, uh, but also on the Shia Muslim and on the Sunni Muslim. So 28 years of building relationship, building trust, 
to become a father of Pharaoh. If I took my phone and show you the phone and you will see Papa Leif, I'm a Mecca, top Muslim leader that speaks to 60 million people a day. So how do Joseph go from being a son to Pharaoh to become, a, the Bible says, became a father of Pharaoh and eventually saved the nation? So I think I've been in, first of all, number one, you have authority over what you weep over. Mm. And then you have authority where you love. So the first part of that is the lamb's part, where you suddenly lay down your life for a nation. Ask of me and I will give you the nation, Psalm 2.8. So it started with that journey and a fresh baptism of love, and I started to ask. In the earlier stage, we did a lot on the grassroots movement. As soon as we build it, they tore it down. Mm. So I realized, I, no, I need to love the leadership, government, all areas of society. And that started without, but how do you love without a hook? That was another five years because before that I loved so I could get favor and everything mm -hmm. else instead of because what I become. Yeah. And as a result, so I remember I had an encounter where God says, Leif, you're always loving with a hook. You have an agenda mm. and I don't love that way. And so I started to build those trusts and I have everything from the Al-Hadis, the Wahhabi, to every stream of Islam, they are mm. friends. I go and visit in their headquarters. I'm invited into the holy journeys, into family thing. Yeah. Build a trust with government, with a leadership of that nation that has given me uncommon favor. But today, uh, we are feeding a thousand people in the King's Mosque today, Muslims. And people say, how could you do that with God's money? Uh, because he loves them. Mm. We are feeding not just, we're feeding Christians too, but Ramadan is going on. And as the sun goes down today, all these poor people that don't have any, here we are as believers, they're coming and giving them physical food. Mm. So next time I'm going over there, I have an opportunity to talk about Jesus and why I do this and the love that I have for those different people. So it is a, a long journey. I've seen some amazing lately with, uh, I have one guy, if I, I can show you the phone, every single day you contact me. He is a religion, no, he is a political leader within the Shia. That's the Iranian stream. Mm. I just invited him to come up to my hotel room presence of Jesus just came in. He got totally healed and it just exploded. Mm. And since that, every day he's pursuing me. I mean, it's just this thing after this encounter with Jesus and he says, Jesus, Jesus. At the Shia Muslim headquarters, the presence filled up with the chairman of the Shia Muslim party and they say, hey, we want you to come to Iran with us. We want you to go to Iraq. So it's just happening. It took about 20 years to see something where you'd be pushing against a rock, you see nothing. Mm. And then in the moment, you, th you thought no, nothing is happening here, but something happened to you. Mm. You get perseverance, you get resilience, you get all those things. And then in a the moment, there's this breakthrough. And some of those relationships, 25 years. Oh, when people say, how did you do that? That's 22 years. So that one is 17 years. What I did was I started to build relationship build trust, but very clearly making sure that Jesus is brought into every yeah. conversation to represent the God that looks like Jesus to them. I pray for them. They call me to pray for them, release the presence of Jesus. But that also has given me this favor that even the governmental official in those different countries, then when I'm going in, uh, I was there, the first one in the parliament of Pakistan, but mm. so many different settings that God just started to open up. But how do I steward favor? That's another question. How do you steward favor with God? But there's people that have favor with God, but they don't have favor with men. Mm. And then there's people that have favor with men, but they don't have favor with God. Yeah. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, yeah. favor with God and yeah. favor with men. So I think that's been the big lesson for me. How do I steward favor? Because now governments, 
including our government, mm -hmm. CDC during the COVID. Yep. Have all these people coming to me and it's like, hey, can you help us with? Or hey, yeah. this what's going on with the Taliban? Or can you can you use your favorite card to be able to accomplish our agenda? And you didn't realize how much of that is out there until the God starts to give you favor. So how do I steward those relationships? How do I make sure that I add value to the people that I do love? And for me, the three primary things that love is in the center of everything that I do. And then power, signs, wonders, and miracles that follow. And then wisdom, and wisdom builds. So I'm helping them to build and finding out what's going But those has to be one, conversion. And many times you do not know, was that love, power, wisdom? Because the answer is yes. The conversion, I have not given you spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And when there's shalom in your mind, and then wisdom starts to flow. So mm. for me, it is not, is this right or wrong what you do here? Yeah. What is wise and what would be unwise is the question. Mm. Because wisdom takes the past, the present, and the future and brings it together. And sometimes wisdom looks like me feeding people now or helping with the flood victims. And sometimes wisdom is, for me, I'm going to do a couple of assignments inside governmental buildings, in mosques, in meeting with a president and prime minister in August in a place, meeting other groups that I cannot say here on podcast, yeah, yeah. but of radical streams I'm going in. It's impossible. But yeah. that's what the wisdom looks like. Bef God has called me to do something in the grassroots movement. And that's, well, let me do that. No, that's unwise. Yeah. Because even if I build something, it's going to be torn down. The wisdom says going in and influencing the influencer without any hook and agenda so that wisdom builds. And that's been a little of my journey. 28 years of learning <laughs> to love well, learning how to steward in favor, learning to stand before kings and learning to represent the king of kings as an ambassador, knowing the language of heaven, but as important to understand their language. And it's different between the Shia and the Sunni, right. if you're a Sufi or Salafi. So I have to understand the culture, context of every stream that I work with. I, I don't want to interrupt, but I feel like we need to give people a little bit of context. Because yeah. you just rattled off a bunch of names that people probably hear on the news, right? Yeah. You, rattle, you rattle off a bunch of things. But give, give some parallels or comparisons to some of the people that you're meeting with, to somebody maybe here in the U.S. or around the globe that has no context. So... I know that when you said, you know, this guy ministers to 60 million people a day, that's real, right? Yeah. You're meeting with the heads of the entire religion of Islam. Is that correct? Yeah, it's of different Some streams. of the greatest leaders. Yes, of different streams of mm -hmm. Islam. It's like here, you have different denomination, both within the Sunni, mm -hmm. is mainly out of Saudi Arabia, and the Shia is primary Iran, but 85% of Muslims are Sunni Muslim on a global level, mm. between 85 and 87%, and the rest is Shia. The conflict like Iran is a major Shia. You will find Iraq as a major Shia population. That's the tension that was going on there mm -hmm. between the Sunni and Shia. Saddam Hussein was a Sunni, so had a minority that controlled and oppressed the majority. Or what's happening in Yemen is a Sunni-Shia issue. So you find most of the things is between these two. And that's a long, we could talk about that in a postcard in itself yeah. for people with an interest. But within like the one with 60 million, it is the media mountain. Mm. Somebody that uses national TV to speak to the whole nation and is the one that represents Islam like a Oprah would be here. Okay. That would be the person there. So that person have a media. Another one is the granny mom who represents both the president and the prime minister. So all of those different people, they are different parts within the Sunni and Shia stream that I'm talking about. It has different roles, some in the area of politics, some in the area of religion, 
in influence, but we have to remember from our Western worldview in Islam, all of that is one. Mm. So we are separating. That's why, how do they become Christian? That means you're leaving your country. You're leaving everything because it is an Islamic Republic of Pakistan. The mm. country is Islam. Family is Islam. Economy is, everything is Islam. So we have a tendency to separate those things mm. in the way that we think and the way that we operate. So it's important for us also when we, and it's not just Pakistan, because I've been to 106 countries and over 20 places where the majority or 20 countries were, but that's been one of the major places that I think that the, one of the first places I fell in love yeah. and still in love today that I've been consistent for 28 years, the building trust, building relationship, and then eventually asking the Holy Spirit, be led by the Spirit to see who I'm supposed to meet each trip. And sometimes it's like what I'm about to do now. It's been over two years of about 11 strategic things that I've done before the meeting I'm going to have in August. Mm. So sometimes people are not aware of the journey that, oh, you had that meeting open up. No, there was about 11 different things that the Holy Spirit led me to do before yeah. that meeting is taking place in August and before that favor came in. Yeah. And sometimes that has a long journey and a lot of it is relationship. Like somebody, how did you have access to this person in Africa? Because this right. Muslim leader knows this Muslim leader on a national level. They meet to get on a global level. Same with Indonesia. So I quickly got into Indonesia to a lot of the leadership, the Islamic leadership, through relationship that Saudi and other places of other relationships, oh, you need to meet my friend Leif yeah. in different country. And that's the acceleration of favor. If Pharaoh say, here's Joseph, mm. you can trust him. He, When he's coming in, listen to what he have to say. You spend so much less time to trying to connect with people. The connection is there. Now you just know how to steward that favor and steward the hearts of the people God has placed in the front of you. Gosh, I want to ask so many questions. Um, there are more Muslims in Indonesia than there are in the entirety of the Arabic nations, I've heard. Yes and no. Yes. Yes and it, no. It, it, yeah. It's and massive. No, no, it is It is true in regard to the numbers. Yep. Indonesia is not a, a, a Muslim country. It just has a majority of Muslim people. But right. over 200 and some 30, 40 million Muslim. And yes, when it comes to the Arab world. Yep. So if you say Pakistan will have the, now the second largest Muslim population, but they are an Islamic Republic. India will have the third largest. Mm -hmm. And then you're going, and of course, some of the Arab countries is much smaller in population. Mm. But when it comes to influence, a lot of the intellectual influences from Egypt, a lot of the political and religious is actually coming out of Saudi Arabia because you have Mecca and Medina. Yeah. And then in Israel, that's the problem that's going on in Israel. The third most holy site mm. is there. And, uh, and that, so that's in Israel, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is their third most holy site. What, what are some of the biggest things that Christians get wrong about Islam? Like, what are some, in your opinion, when, when you listen, you bring somebody on a trip with you, right? They have an idea of what it's like. Like, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that believers have about uh, the Muslim world? Yeah, I think there's a couple of different things. First, number one, a lot of them see Islam as a problem mm. instead of a promise. And let me explain that. Please, yeah, I love it. So, so the, the worldview and the way you see it, you're starting to see that Ishmael, Isaac was covenant, Ishmael was rejected. So one of the two traces, if you're going to trace all Muslims, you have to trace it, not back to Muhammad. Uh, the religion of Islam came out of, or the Muslims came out of it, but Islam comes all the way back to Ishmael. Ishmael is out in the wilderness, but it was a woman who provided water. 
Later on in Ishmael's life, you see that Abram wanted a reconciliation, abort his son, bought Isaac. So the tendency we have had to say, here's Isaac, we don't like Ishmael. So our view towards Ishmael, Ishmael was rejected. And the two root issue is God cannot be a father and he cannot have a son. Where did that come from? Ishmael. So the root issue of Ishmael is God cannot be a father. You cannot say that. You're becoming a servant of Allah. Where did that happen? Ishmael rejected. And then the second part of that, he cannot have a son. That would be the root issue mm. of Ishmael. So that's one of the major things. It has to do with our worldview, how we see them. If we do not see that, that even when the angel Gabriel appeared before Muhammad and he received the Al-Quran and the Hadith and etc. So that would be one of the misconceptions. It has to do with just the worldview, how you see him. Mm. But I want you to know that Ishmael, he made a promise to Ishmael. God made a promise to Ishmael. Ishmael was also the first one that was named in the whole scripture before he was born. And God called him Ishmael, which means God hears. And they were brought back at the father's funeral. They were reconciled. You can read it. So that's one of those little misconceptions. Later on, you will find another story, and that is Jacob, who you cannot follow that trend. So it's just another misconception. Jacob himself and Esau had this issue, and that was also another one of those similar type of wrestling match. But one little scripture verse says that Esau married into Ishmael's family. So he actually went into Muslim and married in there, mainly because of his anger and hostility. Because the two things that Jacob wanted more than anything else was birthright and blessing. And he took that because he wanted it more than his brother who had a right for that. And he didn't steal it. It's actually he negotiated for mm. it because he wanted this more than anything. But he was still a Jacob. But it was not before this wrestling match that we talked about when he got the limp. I'm not going to let go of you until right. you bless me. And then eventually, what is your name? I'm Jacob. You're not going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. You're going to be my prince. Until his identity changed. Before then, the root issue, if you say, what is your fear? Root fear, your worldview towards Esau. Esau married into Ishmael family. They're coming to kill me. And this is the vengeance. That's the spirit. Here you have Esau married into the terror. The terror spirit is there for the first time. Mm. Married into Ishmael's family, but with vengeance, hatred towards the brother and what he did to me. He deceived me. He, wow. And I want what he has, the birthright. We are the one. And then you're starting to see. But then in Genesis 35, there was a couple of verses that changed me well. And I even feel it when I just talked about it. Because there was in a moment, Esau is coming and the moment is there. But he's no longer coming against Jacob. Hmm. He's coming against Israel. And when he came here, it says something in the scripture that hit me. It said, when, when at that moment, Israel or Jacob saw him, he said it was like seeing the face of God. And when he could see the face of God in the terrorist, something changed, reconciliation happened. And these two would reconcile. So the whole key to Israel and the evangelization of Israel, the book of Roman is clear. There's a couple of other scripture verses in the Old Testament I could quote. But the whole key to Israel and the salvation of Israel is Ishmael. And it's going to be when the fullness of Gentiles comes in, it's going to cause jealousy among the Jews, the book of Romans says. What is going to make jealousy? When the Palestinian, when the Iranian. What do we believe as believers do? Oh, we need to support Israel as a result. Hate is Ishmael. These are the enemy. These are the evil. Mm. Instead of bringing the love and the light to Ishmael, it's going to be key for them, for the Jews, so that God is going to restore the one new man. And we are part of the Gentiles, just like the Muslims are. So that's another misconception in this. It's just that I feel like uh, until we see Ishmael the way that Papa God sees Ishmael, but also on the other side, we need to get our identity straight. 
And then also realizing, yes, he was rejected, but Jesus was sent to restore Ishmael back again to the father. So it was a woman in the church is that woman to bring pure water when he is crying out for thirst to save his life. We need to bring that pure water. And that's the issue. We don't have a darkness issue, but lack of light. And mm. one more story. I just, oh, there's so much you, here. But, go for it. But uh, in, uh, I give you, this is breaking my heart. Going back because I've been around long enough when the Soviet Union left Afghanistan. It left the country devastated by war. Mm. The churches and the believers was invited. The door was open. Favor was there for us to go in. Put it in all languages to disciple a nation. Mm. The nation of Afghanistan in percentage per capita had the most orphans and widows in the world because of the war that's been going on. The churches said, we don't want it. So Bin Laden, who was from Saudi Arabia, had been in Sudan. If the church don't want it, let me take him. So light didn't want it, so darkness came in. And then Bin Laden went in, went into a relationship. Also, three major violations that we did against, at that time, the Mujahideen fighters. The covenant, the promises we did, they are Pashtun people. We violated those things, hurt them. But Bin Laden came in and started an alliance between what today is Taliban and Al-Qaeda. And later on, September 11 happened. We had the opportunity. I was one of them to say, let's take care of the orphan and the widow. The church said no. We spent less than 50 cents of every $100 to love a Muslim omission money. And it is 1.8 billion of them. And it is the key to the second coming of Jesus. But it was not the priority because where your treasures is, is where your heart is. Mm. So let's feed Isaac. But Ishmael, very little heart towards it. September 11 comes along and 16 out of 19 involved in September 11 is orphans. And then we're like, why would he- Hold on, say that again. 16 out of the 19 involved in September 11 was orphans. They were the very one that we were asked to disciple. We said, no. So instead, Ben Laden discipled them and they are flying into buildings. And now it has cost us on a global economy, $9.5 trillion of cost, real cost, if you see what's happening. the war that's been going on, not just in our economy, but globally, when we could have spent 1% to invest in light instead of now responding to darkness. That's just a... Why have I never heard that before? I don't know. Have you? Have any of you guys heard that? 16 of the 19... That was involved in September 11th. Were orphans. Yeah. Were they orphaned from the war? War and conflict, yeah. Well, we as church is called to take care of the orphans and widows. So even there with the madrasas now where uh, you're bringing the orphans in to train these people, including what we are experiencing now, like in Mozambique, or what you see with a lot of the Al-Jabadis is a recruiting place. But when the church is not doing its part, when we are not investing in light, and then we say, why is it so dark? Mm. My, my verse, and I know is Romans 15, 20, and has been since I started the ministry with Paul, eventually, there's a couple of verses that we could just have a little fun around it, but Romans what? 1520. But he describes the verses before Paul where he says that I had to go from Jerusalem to Illyricum. But when he gets there, he just says that I have this one ambition. It's this ambition. This is what I call a holy ambition that I do need to make sure that Christ or that this gospel is taken to the people that have not yet heard. And then as a result in the next verse, he quote from the Isaiah, because it was not just that he had a holy ambition, he had a holy word. He quoted from Isaiah and talking about, and then he comes in and said, there's a reason I could not come to you. 
cannot just go to Guatemala or Kenya or this and that. I want to because you are here and you're my family and everything else. But I, I have to be on this mission. This is assignment to take this gospel, the good news too. And it is this whole journey that started take you through Syria. And you can just look at the whole road. Albania is where the Lyricum is today. But he had to go on this whole route. Why was he so focused on this holy ambition? Because they have not yet heard. Let and me this, read this quick. Yeah, Ro- Romans 15, yeah. 20. Yeah. I'm going to do, oh, 15? Yeah, 15, 20. Yeah, 15. And then you can I'm going to start at 17. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus, my service to God. Verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything no. except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, Illyricum, uh, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Verse 20, it it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. That's the quote from Isaiah. That yeah. he, does. he knew the word of God that he based his holy ambition on was the holy word. This is why I've often been hindered in coming to you. Yeah. So I've often been hindered to coming to the church and the ministry because I had to make sure the main thing is the main thing. His last command is my first priority. I needed to make sure that instead of we awakening for the second coming of Jesus, they never heard of the first coming of Jesus. Wow. So the biggest issues here and motivation, people say, you are called to go over to, no, I'm not called to that. His last command is my first priority. Mm. The last thing he said, Papa Jack, the last word he spoke before he died is very important to me. The last thing Jesus said before he went away, that all authority has been given. Now you go and disciple nation, immerse them into family, father, son, spirit, but then teach them all the things. And then I'm going to be with you always. So this thing about this Roman 15, 20, when I started GMA, that was one of the verses that mm. was with me late. I wanted to be your ambition, a holy ambition, to making sure that you take this gospel of Jesus Christ, including with the signs, wonders, and by the Spirit beforehand, yeah. and make sure you don't build on somebody else's foundation. And I love going, Heidi and I was just in a huge church and a huge ministry, but it is somebody else's foundation. Yeah, I'm going to be in another event with us in Houston, and we do things together, Voice of the Apostle. Yeah. I love those things, but I can no longer say no to taking the gospel where the gospel has never been before. Mm. And that place, this is sadness. I've just put that in a perspective. If you and I will, we have an assignment. We have a cure that he has given us. And our assignment, making sure that everybody get this cure. If we believe in a little hell mm. and we believe that there's a cure for this hell and there's an urgency, the eternal matter. And I'm still in that persuasion. Even when people hear my love message, let me say very clearly, I'm not a universalist. <laughs> my motivation to give my life and put it in an offering plate kissing my wife and children go by and going into the darkest places. Mm. I have a motivation, something that drives me, the very thing that Paul says. And the reason to say no to everything else is because you have a big enough yes. Mm. And that's why I feel so clearly that uh, so many of these places, but I don't, we, we have doctors where there's all these doctors with the medicine, but there's only one doctor for every 480,000 Muslims. We have only one person representing Jesus among every 480,000 Muslims. And then we're wondering, why is it so dark there? Because we have only one person. 50 cents of every $100 is actually invested in what is number one on Jesus' heart. 
And if where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Mm. So if we, so I'm a missiologist and I am, I'm thinking a God that loves this world, 8 billion people. And then I break it down into a ABC world. And my focusing is the ones that has never heard. That's why I went into Mozambique that Iris is doing right now because there was two areas in northern Mozambique. I went there in the 90s and met Heidi actually in 2001 the first time. But so the reason I went to where I went was the very thing, Romans 15, 20. And I know not everybody is called. That's an apostolic calling to be a pioneer to going in. But everybody has a calling in regard to making sure to make it hard for people to go to hell and easy for people to go to heaven and to making sure that the best of our time, talent, and treasure is being invested in the darkest places in the world. So if you're a business owner, you should have that ambition, making sure that we're investing mm. light into the darkest places, that we're making sure the medicines that everyone, at least once, that's what I've dedicated my life. Mm. I want everyone to know how good Papa God is and how loved they are. I want every person in the world to experiencing a God just like Jesus. That's been my thing. I want everyone to have an encounter with God just like Jesus. Not just as Savior, but as Lord, as King, and a gospel of the kingdom. That's what gets me up in the morning, broken neck, broken back, tumor, different things I've gone through that keeps me going. So in one talk, we talk about Sabbath and rest and loving yourself, but here's the other side. There's the lion in me. There's a roar. The injustice, 20 million women and girls now in Afghanistan just horrific what is taking place because of the lack of light. Mm. We can point to darkness, but that's not our responsibility. They're in the light business. Mm. And every time there's darkness, our stock shall go up. So I feel that the eternal portfolio, the biggest reason Jesus cannot come back, because it's so clear in Scripture, Matthew 24, verse 3, he said, what is the sign, singular, singular, of the coming of the Son of Man. The disciples asking Jesus, when are you coming back? They maybe thought it was going to be then. He talked about all the signs, and a lot of prophets are distracted with all of that these days. Yeah. But he says, the end has not yet to come, verse 13. Then in verse 14, he says, but this gospel, which is the good news, by the way, of the kingdom, not just salvation, it is included, must be preached as a witness or testimony to all ethnos, all nations, and then the and will come, guaranteed. Hmm. So if I were the devil, all I will do is distract. Let us do a lot of good things, but keeping away from the main thing being the main thing, that the ones that have never heard, and that's what Paul was describing here. I know I wanted to come to you guys and everything else, and I'm right. sorry I've not been able because I have this one thing. This is my holy ambition because I have a holy word and I have a holy passion and something is burning in me and I need to make sure that this gospel is going to go to all of that and all the way to Illyricum because they have never heard once. Mm. Then I can come to you and we can celebrate. We can have conferences and kumbaya. Wow. Anyway, that's... That's incredible. Iran, I've heard, is one of the fastest growing churches in the globe right now. Yeah. Um, you said you're a little bit of a missiologist. Most missiologists would have 20 years ago said they would have never seen this. This is an impossibility. Um, I also hear Afghanistan currently is is in massive church growth. Um, are you hearing about this? Are you yes? What, it, yes, and the thing that is interesting, Iran is also women as an example, right? And even in the prisons of people being in prison, how it's spreading. 
And I, I was just with a group of the top Chinese underground leaders a few years ago. And in the same census, I think it was about 4 million believers. But when they kicked out of the missionary, kicked out the West, kicked out where you didn't have access to Bibles and this and that, and the latest number I have in China is between 75 and 120 million people don't know. Uh, but you see this rapid. But Iran, yeah. And Afghanistan, it looks like they shut down everything, everything in Afghanistan when Taliban came in. Mm. Uh, I was involved with getting a few of the believers out, and many of them got killed. Then we had like 57, they just killed them one Wednesday. So it was a lot of horrific thing. But in the middle of the few that are left, now God is doing something, including my involvement there is just, Afghanistan is one of my biggest passion and disease, things that I cannot say, but it's part yeah. of my next assignment where I'm heading in and just been building bridges there for the last, just since I wept for a week when our government makes some of the decision because I saw the women. And it was, well, it's just, I don't even, uh, I don't watch social media, but it's usually one person that captured me. Mm. And it was uh, one girl that somebody said, hey, you need to watch this girl on Instagram. And it's a cute little 21-year-old Afghan girl, and they're having tea together, just totally innocent, spending around in Kabul, and, and she tell a different story. But it's just fascinating to see how life is for a normal 21. And one day, this thing comes along, and I look at Instagram, Taliban is coming. I need to go. I'm sure I will not be able to do Insta Instagram again. And I saw this cute, I saw the fear and I saw this thing. The next day is when Taliban came in. She's on her way to the airport. She got killed. And I had her face and everything else. And when she died, that's when I put myself as an Isaiah 6 in the offering plate. But before that, it is in the year King Uzziah died that I saw him high and lifted up. And then eventually... I need a new fire from heaven to touch my lips because I wanted to judge instead of let them burn because I'm the one with unclean. They are not the problem I am. I take the responsibility. And when the lips goes on fire, his ears open up and he listening to the conversation of heaven. And they were talking. They didn't talk to him, but he listened in on it. Who are we going to send? Who's going to go for us, Father, Son, Spirit? Mm. The family is having a conversation. And he made himself available. Here am I. Send so I did that with Afghanistan. Mm. And I just placed myself in the offering plate. I had this one life. I placed that in the offering plate. I belong to you. Yeah. And that started my journey now since. And we've wow. been involved in several major projects and seeing God doing some amazing things. But yeah, it's very tough. How old were you when, when you got this call? How old were you when you got the call to, to, for ministry? In 84 is when I got called to ministry. But... June 6th, so I would be 19 years 19. old. 19. But then when Randy Clark prayed for me, which was in 1995, June 6th, 1995, which was not a highlight because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that was the call towards nation, unreached. And of course, I was just a young Baptist pastor. Then the baptism of love in 99 was probably what changed me in the way of my worldview, how I was seeing God, how I was seeing Islam, how I was seeing everything. was I suddenly got me a new God that looked like Jesus, a father. So I became a son from an orphan living for God to becoming a son living from love. And that that has just been a process, but that became my paradigm change. So those will be three significant mm. moments in my life. And then being on a journey that we talked about earlier to learning to love myself in the middle of it. And I don't have that figure, but that's, that's wow. kind of the Peter journey where I'm in or learning about. Well... I know we've gone over, but I, and I could keep going, but I really, I know that these, I just know that we have a certain amount of time on, on these cards and the cameras. 
Um, Leif, you have books, you have opportunities. How can people get a hold of you? How can they, yeah, get more information? Yeah, I, I mean, they can just look up my name or see globalmissionawareness.com or look me up on YouTube or somewhere. So it's, uh, and hopefully there's some of those things that can help people. Yeah. My big thing is to teach people the language of love, mm-hmm. which is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. And I want everyone to be fluent in that language so that the world can see who we are mm. because the way that we love one another. And I have a lot of good material to help people to come free from themselves. Yeah. And that's, I'm in the process of that so that yeah. I can be entrusted. Is there a book that you've written that you know, like this will, this is the one that is about that if people are interested? I would say the last one is about the new love awakening that's very fresh. And okay. that because I want people to get in on this new reformation that God, I call it the Agape Reformation, yeah. that is happening around the world. Because so many people right now will, and we could have maybe another podcast on that sometime, but so many people are distracted by what God is not doing because they don't see what God is doing. Right. And I want people to get in on, this is the time we're living in, the mm. Kairos moment. This is what God is doing in our generation. Mm. And this is each one of our place in that and how. We wake up in the morning discovering who we are and where we are, what we have and what we are called to do mm. in the middle of it. That's, and the call to reign is discovering those. Who are you? Identity. Where are you? Intimacy. What do you have? Inheritance. Everything that Jesus paid for. Or we actually have access to that because of identity and intimacy. And then what is your special sauce, your uniqueness, your calling, yeah. which I call destiny. What is your destiny? There's a purpose. Stay within your lane. Yeah. Be who he has called you to be. Live full so one day we can die empty. Well, uh, this has been amazing life. Um, is, is Iris still here? She Did they did somebody take her? Okay, here's the final thing. We will find out right now who she loves more. Is, Iris. Whoa, whoa, you can't start with Iris, Alvin. Come, come, Iris, come, where? Iris, come. Come on. Come on, come on, come on puppy. Come on. Oh, no. Oh, I want the love contact, the language of love. And she's licking me and loving on me, and I feel my love tank is full. I can't yeah. believe that just Muslims happened. Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. Uh. <laughs> oh, <everybody. laughs> <laughs> you and I. Okay, now you can love our will too. So he's no, an orphan. My heart, heart orphan is spirit. dead. I Come feel on. orphaned. No. Love you, Life. Thank love you so you. much Thank for coming you. in. Seriously, <laughs> love you, man. Love you. You are an inspiration. Uh, we could keep keep going. Listen, I know you guys love this. Uh, if you don't, you're dead on the inside. No, I'm just kidding. You're not. Maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, like, subscribe, share this uh, with somebody who needs to be encouraged. Love you. Love you, life, and uh, yeah, we'll do this again. <laughs> we do, and thank you for all that you do for Iris Global. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, what we get to do, life is actually behind the scenes on that. So, um, as a as a leader, as a board member, um, yeah, thank you, thank you for running with us, life. Thank you, love you, man. Fist bump. That was one of my favorites that we've done on this season.